This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Joshua Worth talks about cursed objects and ghosts. And now, here's Father Joshua Worth. Hello, this is Father Joshua Worth. I'm the pastor of St. Bernard in Ellsworth and St. Ignatius in Canopolis, also chaplain of the Ellsworth Correctional Facility, co-vocation director, and assistant to Exodus for the Diocese of Salina. And I wanted to uh, talk to you today in that last capacity as the assistant to the Exorcist. Uh, I said in my other show that um, in determining the source of spiritual attacks, you know, and, and we covered how most extraordinary kind of supernatural, preternatural attacks, demonic attacks, spiritual attacks, come in the form of images or sounds or things moving around and are not where they used to be, voices, uh, footsteps, you know, things of that nature. And I, I said uh, that we have to determine if it's a personal or location, meaning is it something that's attached to us in some way or another, or is it attached to the place that we're residing in? And so I'm going to talk about the location part there. So you, you've uh, maybe slept a night at, at a friend's house or a family's house, and nothing happened to you. You didn't hear anything. You didn't see anything. No footsteps, no loud banging in the middle of the night that wake you up. And you determine it's only when you're at home or some other place that um, this happens. So this is what we call, I think the formal term is infestation. Uh, haunting is another way that people describe it. A house can't really get possessed, but it sometimes feels like the house is possessed, basically, that there's something attached to to that uh, that location. And this can happen for many different reasons. So it could happen because something terrible happened there, some kind of sin or suicide or a murder or um, so, you know, some kind of occult activity, and whatever demon is kind of associated with that sin or that occult activity now has a right to that location, says the sin I'm associated with was celebrated here, or the occult practice that I'm associated with is, is was celebrated here, and so I'm going to live here. I have a right. I was invited in, in a way. And so they can then have interactions so they don't they don't like go inside of the house so to speak so it's not like in the the wood or the cement or but they have uh, permission to to be there so if you see things moving around that's just them invisibly moving the things around or making the sounds or uh, moving the objects or whatever it may be so that's going to happen uh, again through 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 sins or through occult activities, mostly occult activities. So, so if they were doing some kind of Satanism, or they were doing some kind of uh, witchcraft, um, some other kind of pagan religion, then that's inviting the spirits that are are attached to that practice, inviting them to 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 live there and make it their own, make it their home, just like we invite angels to live with us, Mary to live with us, God to reside in our in our homes and in our bodies. The other spirits can be attracted to that as well if they're invited in. And sometimes they stay. Even if a new person comes in, a new person moves into the house, and they say, yeah, you moved in here, but it was given to me. The, it was, I was invited in by the last uh, occupant, so now in a way it belongs to me. I have rights to it. I have permissions to be here, and you're the intruder, and so they interact with us in that extraordinary way. And uh, what are they trying to accomplish? They're not actually trying to scare you. They're trying to, uh, they're not trying to scare you and try to get you to leave the house, you know, move out of the house. They're trying to get you to uh, build a relationship with them. And that sounds kind of weird, right? Is a relationship good? But it's a relationship with them instead of a relationship with God. So um, they might impersonate somebody that used to live there, they might impersonate some higher form of you or a spirit guide or a, a nice angel or, or something like that. And they want to try to 
get you to interact with them. Because the more you interact with them, the more permissions you give away to your very self. As I discussed in the last one, um, most most of our um, cases now in, in exorcism ministry is people that do professional or amateur ghost hunters. Why? Because they go into a place where there are spirits that have uh, permission to be there, demons in disguise, and they say, if there's anybody here, say something. If there's anybody here, show us something, right? And giving permission to interact with our eyes, interact with our ears. And, and that permission doesn't go away when we leave the house because we didn't put any rules or restrictions on it, or after a time limit, they always had that permission now until we go to confession, break that permission by going to confession and say, Father, I want to say I'm sorry to Jesus because I went and talked to other worldly beings when I'm, I was told not to by the church and by your scripture and, and trying to get information out of them that I should be getting from you, Lord. So uh, a violation of first commandment. And so we, we go to confession, we confess that, it breaks their permission, and it should be that, and we surround ourselves with grace, the sacraments, we go to communion, we pray, and that should cause any shadows we're seeing or voices or things moving around uh, to, to dissipate. So that's when we go to a place and we kind of bring it home with us. Well, what happens if somebody else lived in our house and now it uh, is happening only when we're at the house, right? And a couple of different things. One, is there any objects that could be um, cursed? So what a curse is is just the opposite of a blessing. So a blessing, you know, if something is blessed – a prayer is attached to that that object. So then wherever that object goes and whenever you look at that object, that prayer is kind of um, recited in heaven in a way, right? So if you think about holy water, the prayer is said over the holy water, and now wherever that holy water is sprinkled, it's like that prayer is being said right there. So you, we sprinkle it, and we, we get hit with 100 droplets, 100 prayers were just said, that's attached to that water, okay? And it's a way the angels are kind of picking up that prayer, the saints are kind of picking up that prayer wherever that holy water, the holy object is looked upon, venerated, or or uh, sprinkled. In the case of um, blessed salt or blessed uh, holy water or even um, sometimes uh, blessed oil, uh, like vegetable oil um, can be anointed on that, on the house as well. So, so there might be a cursed object in there. A couple stories. I think most of my cases end up being something about, you know, again, I just do minor stuff. So I get a lot of people that come to me saying they're, they're seeing things in their house or hearing things. And um, a lot of them are cursed objects. And I have this famous story that I've told the college kids several times, so they've all heard this, but the, the cursed couch, couches. This unbaptized woman came to me talking about she was seeing things and really frightening her. And but she wasn't into witchcraft at all. She was unbaptized, which was bothersome. She didn't have the protections that we get from Christ. And she had no occult activity that she was doing. And I asked her, you know, I had this questionnaire, I asked her, did she thinking she's gonna say obviously not? Have you received any gifts from any Satanists or witches? And she said, well, I received two couches from my, I live in an apartment building, and the lady was moving out of the apartment next door. She said, she's a witch, and she gave me two couches, right? And I thought, oh, I'm a poor college student, and, and I'd like uh, these free couches. They're nice couches, right? And um, so the problem is, if, if the former owner of that couch was a witch, then what happens is, they don't have a church to go to, right, to do their rituals. So they might use that couch for their rituals. They might be doing occult activity on that couch with their rituals. And then whatever demons are associated with that ritual then say, okay, this is my altar. This is where I live, okay? This is where what I'm attached to, and it becomes cursed in that way. Or even worse, they could be, a witch could be having sex rituals on that couch 
with another witch or Satanist or even somebody that doesn't know about it, they are – so then that, that demon associated with fornication also comes to live on that couch. And then if that couch was given to somebody else and they commit a sin on there, especially the sin around the Sixth Commandment of, of fornication, adultery, then that – even though they're not worshiping the devil – they're not worship, they're not invoking any evil because they're committing a sin on that cursed object with that cursed object around that cursed object then the demon's like oh you you commit the sin that i i'm the demon of you commit that on on my altar this couch this cursed couch now i get to interact with you in a more profound way because of because of that so Again, that would be cured by going confession. If I, you know, I told a lady, you know, you need to get baptized. Join a church that will baptize you. If it's Catholic church, that'd be great. But you need to join a church that will baptize you. And there was a, another guy involved that he was living with her. He was Catholic. I was like, you got to go to confession, okay? Because even though you guys weren't trying to invoke the devil, you received this cursed object and you were committing, possibly committing a sin on there which is associated with, with um, that demon that's attacking you, okay? So when you have a cursed object, of course you get rid of it. You don't just give it to somebody else, right? If you knowingly gave it to somebody else to try to make their life miserable, that, that would be a terrible sin that you'd have to confess. You don't want to just put it free on the curb and have somebody else pick it up and have the same problems. You need to destroy it. If you know somebody that they can burn it on their property or... You might just have to take a, a saw to it, cut it down to pieces where it'd be unusable, and then throw it in a dumpster at that point so that nobody picking through the trash is going to say, oh, look at this couch over here, right? So that would be a solution for, for that one. Another uh, man I had, he, again, non-practicing. He was living a homosexual lifestyle, active homosexual lifestyle, and um, he approached me just outside of a Hardee's one time and um, asking if I was a priest, do I believe in uh, supernatural entities? And I said, oh, oh yes, I've, that's all I believe in, right? So, and he asked me why he's, ever since he did this physics experiment, a science experiment, why he was seeing these glowing orbs all the time. And sometimes they were encouraging him to kind of prideful thoughts of you're going to be the best scientist. You're going to win a lot of money. You're going to, you're going to be famous. And then other times, um, these discouraging thoughts and voices saying, um, you're terrible. You're a failure. Why don't you kill yourself? And you know, all this stuff. And he says, I said, when did it start? He said, well, when I put a laser through this crystal and, uh, that's when this started happening. And crystals aren't inherently good or evil. They're just rocks, okay? But they're often picked up by new age practitioner and kind of put energy into it, like a healing energy or courage energy or protection energy or whatever they want to kind of pray into it in a way. But it's just superstition. And if, uh, if a demon wants to and say, well, I want to be part of this deception, I'll be the demon attached to this crystal. Maybe people will pick me up. Maybe people will start thinking I'm something special and they'll start, and I can start interacting with them, start talking to them. Right. And I said, where did you get this from? And he said, he got it from Amazon and, but it was from a third party. So usually if you get it from like Walmart or something like that, and it's on packaging, then nobody got their hands on it. Usually, you know, a witch or Satanist hasn't got their hands on it. But it was just from a third party, and that third party was a New Age shop. I'd gotten stuff in the mail as well from different little rock. I think I got a little crystal guardian angel rock one time. And then, But I go look at the website that it's from. It was through Amazon, but the website was, you know, some New Age shop and some part, other part of the United States and saying, oh, that's going to give you protection, just like your guardian. But that's not how guardian angels work. You know, they don't attach themselves to rocks, right? So, if they were putting kind of protection energy in there, some demon might say, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm being invited in. I'm gonna participate in this. I'm gonna attach myself to this rock, right?" So, basically, because he was 
He actually had some sacraments because he belonged to the Greek Orthodox religion, which has valid sacraments. But he hadn't been practicing in a long time. But he had, he did know what confession was. He had received confession, and and I said, well, you got to get rid of that that thing. And he started got to start practicing, you know, sacramental life again. So since you know about confession, I'll hear your confession. I'll give you a minor exorcism. So if anything attached to you with your interacting with it, participating with it, then then we'll break that permission. Go to confession, break that permission. But then you need to go to communion in your in your Orthodox Church to receive the Eucharist. They have the Eucharist there and the real valid Eucharist by blood, soul, and divinity of Christ um, flowing from the priesthood of, of one of the apostles that founded their church. So you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit instead of filling yourself with sin and with these lies and deceptions of the devil. And there was, he was trying to go to a psychic a couple times a year in order to get rid of these voices and these orbs and uh, things were just getting worse. You know, and he asked me, okay, thank you so much, Father. How much money do I owe you? And I said, you don't owe me anything. That's why God's grace is free. That's why don't go to the psychic. You know, there's scammers when they're charging you money and trying to make a living off of this. But God's grace is free. So he didn't contact me afterwards after. So I'm hoping that um, he's doing well. But again, that was another cursed object that was kind of uh, attaching to him and attaching to to a place where he was living in and doing these experiments. So it might be a cursed object. Again, you get rid of the cursed object. If you're not sure, you're thinking, but there's a family heirloom, but I don't know where it's from. Um, But there's something that gives you a weird feeling about it. Then maybe put it, you know, outside in your car or put it out in an unattached garage for a couple nights and see if things get better. Things get better. Unfortunately, there's no way to just consecrate it and get rid of any curse. All right, some some priests have no problem doing that. Some exorcists have no problem doing that. They say, "Oh yeah, my faith is strong enough," and that's fine for them because their faith is strong enough. But what about the faith of the person that's living around it? Okay, so you can never quite get rid of it. You're never quite sure if it's totally. Um, free from any attachment, from any evil. So unfortunately, you have to get rid of it. You have to burn it, destroy it in some way so it won't get picked up, burn it. Or if you can't, I mean, it's like a metal coin or something, you can't burn it, it won't burn. Then you throw it in a body of water, not because the water is magic or anything like that, but it's just, it's very unlikely somebody's going to get to the bottom of that and find it and pick it up, right? So yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing. It's a terrible thing. It's Sometimes it's homemade objects, you know, it's like, oh, my, my grandmother who knitted me this quilt, you know, handed it down to me and gave it to me when I was initiated into some female version of the Freemasons or something like that. And she was female version of the Freemasons. And, and, um, and I just love this quilt. And it's like, but I keep on getting nightmares and um, visions and hearing things and waking up in the middle of the night with the loud banging, and um, and I don't know what to do. And I go, I say, well, try try not sleeping with the quilt for a while, see if that gets better. And if it gets better, then you have your answer, right? That you got to get rid of that quilt. So um, can you? And they go, Father, can you just bless and get rid of it? And and I said, I could I could take it and I could probably live with it. I can't. I could probably be fine with it, but you, I don't know. It, it could be that whatever energy, so you know, so-called energy they put into it was specifically tailored towards you, so maybe it only affects you, right? So whatever the curse was. So Freemason objects, I probably have to do a whole show on Freemasonry and why that's um, against church teaching and it's against um, – the moral law belonging to a secret society and it's anti-Catholic and it's very foundation and a lot of different people belong to it that are great people and mostly in America it's it's just fraternal groups now they don't know their own history and I don't really want them to know their own history but uh, it's not good it's not, very anti-Catholic very anti-Pope uh, and anti-church uh, they kind of want to make their own church out of the secrets of this fraternity of the secret society here. But um, so uh, Freemasons uh, stuff you got to watch out for. 
Um, I had mentioned last time dream catchers and how the kid was just pointing, waking up, you know, the little toddler was waking up every night, middle of night, crying for the parents, and then parents come in and pointing to that one corner. And when I blessed the house in that corner was Native American dream catcher, right? So that's pagan. That's not part of our tradition. Buddha statues, even though uh, Buddha isn't really a pagan, it's kind of a nothingness type of religion. That's definitely get rid of any Hindu stuff. You know, so the, what is it, the kind of guy with the elephant head and uh, multi-armed goddess, you know, any of those statues, any of that stuff needs to go. And I hate to say it, we'll probably have to do another whole show on this too, but uh, any any kind of uh, yoga stuff, because yoga is part of the Hindu religion. It's the, it's the meditation part of the Hindu religion, okay? So their meditation, instead of med- meditation prayers, they have meditation stretches, right? So there are stretches that are supposed to uh, invoke, invite these, um, these pagan gods. So, and, and the scripture tells us that all the gods of the pagans are demons. They say Gentile in there because anybody that's not Jewish is Gentile. So before we were our people, whoever our people were, you know, I'm Germanic people. So they were Gentiles before they were Christians, right? So the the pagan gods that they worshiped before they worshiped God uh, and Christ, those were pagan uh, demonic uh, spirits that they were worshiping. So Native Americans and Hindu and uh, their pagan religions. And so that would be demons in disguise, even though if there's, I'm sure there's nice people. I'm sure they have part of the truth, but they don't have the fullness of truth. There's, there's darkness and lies mixed in with some of that. As I was saying, uh, yoga is part of the Hindu religion. So now I'm not saying that everybody that does yoga stretches that that's going to um, get them in any type of demonic trouble, but uh, I just want people to know, and I'll probably talk about it more in another show, that it's part of the human, uh, it's part of the Hindu religion, and that's why it's sometimes associated with these pagan deities, right? So that's not shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Hope, hopefully, if they're doing yoga, they realize that it's part of the Hindu religion. They do stretch meditations, and that's part of their worship, right? So anything in the house that's not Christian, doesn't have any connection to Christian tradition or history. So that would be, again, that'd be uh, any occult practices, Freemasonry, yoga, Native American, uh, Hindu, um, basically anything. You know, I went to one house, they were having problems, and I said, do you have anything that's not Christian? And she goes, oh, no, 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 we, everything's Christian. And I went in there, and it was just covered in Chinese stuff, and especially Chinese luck dragons, which I don't know much about um, Chinese religions, but I'm not sure if the luck dragon is associated with any uh, pagan god or deity or anything like that. But I said, you know, if you want the weird things to stop happening, she was trying to show me all these videos of her house that she took of shadows and her dog barking at things that weren't there and all that stuff. And, and people always try to tell me stories as if I'm going to, um, you know, be excited about it, but I'm not excited about what the devil's doing. It's, it's basic illusions and, and, and misdirection. And it's kind of a grandiose, uh, sideshow that he puts on with sounds and banging and noises and trying to hope you'll bring in a ghost hunter. That'll just make it worse by, Inviting the person, inviting the spirit to speak to them or, or to hear them, and inviting you to do it, and um, or bring in a witch doctor and just gets worse and worse, or burning sage. I don't know where people think that that's somehow Christian to burn sage, but I get so many Christians telling me, "Oh, it's okay, I burned sage in the house." Where does the Bible or the Catechism ever tell you to burn s- sage? That's superstition, and then on top of it, it could be inviting even more demons in that, that are associated with that superstition. All right. So no, don't burn sage. It has, there's nothing, there's nothing magical about sage that's going to purify de- demonic spirits or anything like that. 
right? Now, if it was blessed incense, right, so you get it from a monastery, and you know the priest there blessed it, and they prayed over it, and you're, you're, that's a sacramental, like the holy water, like the blessed salt, like the blessed oil. That's a sacramental, so you're burning incense, not, not the Hindu incense or the Buddhist incense, you know, the incense sticks that might have been cursed by a New Age shop or something like that, but monastery incense, like we use in church. So they usually make a business out of selling incense. You can buy it. You know that they blessed their business. They prayed over it. They're holy people, and you can have a priest bless it. And then when you burn it, every whiff of smoke is like a prayer being said. And the angels are saying that prayer, and the saints are saying that prayer. That will, you know, scare off the the demons or anything that might be attached to the house. But not burning sage. Please don't tell me you're burning sage, okay? Um, so anything non-Christian. So I had she had to get rid of all these. I just told her they were from her son-in-law who travels the world. He would send stuff from from China. And I just don't know if there's anything attached to us. I said, so all this stuff, put it in the garage, see if things get better, right? And if they get better, you have your answer. But, oh, Father, can you just bless it and make No, I, I can't. I can't, okay? Um, there's just no guarantee that that's going to work, all right? It might, again, it might work for me, but it might work for a really holy person who's got a lot of faith. St. Paul said he could eat meat sacrificed to idols, to false gods. He get the the meat was cursed because it was offered up to this this um, demon, invited the demon to come eat the meat, and the, it was cursed. But he had so much faith, he didn't have to worry about that. He was in a state of grace. He didn't have to worry about that. He said, it's no sin for me to do it. But he said, if any of my brothers sees me eating this cursed meat and they're scandalized by it, he said, I'll never eat meat again then. Right. So he was, it wasn't any problem from him because of his faith. But he knew it could be a problem for somebody else because of their faith, their lack of faith, right? Or they were new in the faith, or they just weren't mature in the faith, whatever it may be. So, um, no, I can't take uh, the the stuff in and make it holy once it's once it's been that way. The only way you could really do it is, you know, we do that with pagan temples, right? So, some of the churches in Rome were once pagan temples, and you. But you always got to keep the demons away by having mass there every day, right? Or maybe, uh, you know, maybe a Planned Parenthood or abortion clinic was turned into a place, but they have to have mass there regularly or they need to have Eucharistic adoration there so that the demons are know that it's po- being possessed by the Holy Spirit and there's no room for them and it's too painful for them to be there, so they, they go out. But if it's just, we're just going to turn this place into a bar, right? Or, you know, I'm in Salina Diocese, and Salina, you know, bought the Freemason Temple when they sold that in Salina. And uh, I'm already getting reports of people saying, hey, can you, and they rent it out for different businesses. Hey, can you come bless this place I'm renting out? Because they tell me that there's spirits that walk around here. And, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it, because that was specifically built for that, uh, to invite in these, these other entities, these they might, they might have called them different things, but in the end, they end up being demons in disguise. And they're going to keep on showing up until that place is not just blessed and consecrated, but it's got turned into something that they don't want to be a part of. So some holy site that's always invoking God, that's always invoking the Holy Spirit, that's always inviting the angels and saints and Mary to be part of it. Then they say, okay, God's taking this thing over. But if it's just trying to be secular... Then and we don't want God here. We don't want the devil here. Too late. The demons already been invited. It was built for them in some way or another, and there's no getting rid of them at that point. So it can be done, but it has to be so constant that you can't be consecrating your Freemason coin or whatever every day and having them blessed every day or what whatever it may be. Um, you're gonna slip up. You're gonna forget or whatever. So just just best to get rid of it. Okay. And as hard as that is sometimes to do because it has sentimental value. But remember, we are supposed to choose choose God over even our, our family, put God first. And if that's not putting God first, 
if that object is not putting God first, then it's not even putting our family first, okay? Because we're doing harm to our family by allowing that in there. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about cursed objects and ghosts with Father Joshua Wirth. Double-edged sword cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Cursed Objects and Ghosts. With Father Joshua Worth. So the second thing I want to talk about is, I want to talk about the other options. So it could be, there's things happening sounds, noises, whatever it may be. It could be that um, it's a demon in disguise pretending to be a loved one, trying to get or pretend to be a higher form or but, um, pretending to be somebody from another dimension or pretending to be uh, a gar- even a guardian angel or whatever. Or they could be pretending to be a loved one that's passed, right? So a ghost, we'd say. Or it could actually be a loved one that's stuck in purgatory that needs to prayers for whatever reason. So first, the demon that pretends to be a ghost. So they know that they have to build a relationship up, right? So they'll start, if they do appear to you in some way, or it sounds like somebody you might have known, the voice sounds like somebody you might have known, they want you to start asking questions like, Grandma, is that you? Are you doing okay? What's the problem? Do you need help? All right. And so then if you're asking a question, you're giving permission for them to give an answer, correct? So now they have permission to interact with your ears and put sound waves in your ears. And so they'll say, oh yeah, I'm your, I'm your grandma and I love you very much and I'm doing fine. And do you want to know something about what's going on over here on the other side? And oh, and then it starts this conversation that you hear things, you start responding to it, it starts building, 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 right? And they might even, they might even be able to show proof so-called proof that they're actually your loved one by saying, oh yeah, you want to know, you want to see a sign? I left $100 for you in, in the old family Bible. Go get that out of the my house, right? And so you go get that and you find on the page, exact page number, you find a $100 bill in there and you go, oh, it must be grandma because only grandma knew that, that this money was here. But the demons are always around. So they saw grandma put that in there for a rainy day and forget about it. And so they know that that's a good way to get you to leave them, right, and start building that relationship. So, no, they, they impersonate a loved one, but they can never quite, if they show up in a, in a visual form, they can never quite take the full picture of a full human being for whatever reason. Either they're not allowed to or they don't want to because they hate human beings. So they'll try to hide the fact that they have no feet or maybe something's wrong with their face or they'll they'll have some half of them be in shadow or or maybe they don't want to show you their hands, right? Because either they want their hands to look like claws so they don't lose, so they kind of make it human being look demonic or whatever, or they have to have some part of, we're not quite, really quite sure, but they can never take on the full vision of a human person. My thought is because they don't want to, they hate human beings so much that just makes them nauseated to take on that full human form and and the image of God, really. So they want to obscure it and desecrate it in some way. There's a lot of literary stories of that the demons have hooves or the devil doesn't have any knees because he refuses to kneel. So those those are literary devices that have been used in stories to show this kind of truth that the devil can never really appear as a full human being. He's got to be some kind of demonic twist in some way. But also, that's a literary device to represent things. The devil has no knees on a lot of artwork, medieval artwork, because he refuses to kneel to anybody or to to humble himself in that way. So there's no hard and fast rule like, oh, look to see if the, the loved one, the ghost, has any hooves, right? Or show them your hands. Tell them to show me your hands so you have any, so you see if they have any claws or anything like that. There's no hard and fast rule on any of that. And that's just, if you were to ask them something like that, 
then you're just building into the relationship and you don't want to do that. So if you saw an apparition of a loved one, what you want them to do is you want to ask them to pray with you. You know, that's what Padre Pio would do. He would, he would have visions of Mary. He would have visions of his angels. One time this, it looked like a fully formed human. Maybe there's something that was amiss and maybe that's why Padre Pio figured it out. But one time, his spiritual director from miles away from his from another monastery showed up, and uh, his confessor or spiritual director and knocked on his door and came in and came into his little cell there, his little room, and started just berating him, saying, "Padre Pio, you're no good. You need to leave. You're not cut out to be a monk. You're not cut out to be a priest." And and he just said, "Father, will you just say with me? Will you pray with me? Say the words with me. I love you, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." Right. And, and then the face all turned demonic and just poof, just disappeared, right? So he would, if he'd see Mary or if he'd see Guardian Angel, I love you, my, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Say that with me. I want to hear you say that. And so um, the devil never wants to tr- trick you into saying a prayer, so he hates. And only by the Holy Spirit, Scripture tells us only by the Holy Spirit can somebody say Jesus is Lord, right? So by asking them to do that, you're not building a relationship, except you're building a relationship of love and, and truth and towards God. And they don't want to, they don't want that type of relationship. They want superstition and curiosity about things that maybe we shouldn't know about. So that would be uh, one indication, or maybe a couple indications. One, they won't, they can't fully form themselves as a human being. And then two, they pray with you. They won't declare Jesus as Lord for you, right? So. Or the other option is that it really is a, a person stuck in purgatory, right? So we have a couple stories of that. I think I've told you most, most of them in different shows. One real quick is this uh, convent, this wingless convent was going to be torn down, and it was a laundry room, and, um, and the la- ladies would come in there, uh, the sisters come in there, and it was just everything would be disar- disarray, not torn apart, not shredded, not soiled. But all the clothes have just come kind of in disarray or different from where they put it. They did a blessing and, and a minor exorcism and nothing happened. And then they asked the priest to talk to the exorcist. Exorcist said, oh, it might be. He said, well, what, what, what did this room used to be? Oh, it used to be where the ward, the medical ward was for the sisters that were dying, the hospice ward. And, oh, well, it could be a sister died there and she had a really rough life or something bad happened to her and she had trouble forgiving it. So have have a novena of masses said in that room for her, right? And so the, uh, the original priest would say mass. I think he said mass the first time. And he gets the part of our father and uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the altar candles just went out. There was no fan. There was no drafty window open or anything. Both the candles just went out. And he said, "That's creepy. I'm not going to do this anymore." So they had to get the, they had to get some some priests. Um, they haven't seen this stuff in a long time. They haven't heard about this stuff in a long time, and they just don't know what to do. So the next just came in, and he uh, said the masses, and every day, for the nine days, the same part of our Father, as we forgive those who trespass against us, the candles would go out. And so what was happening, most likely, is that nun needed to forgive somebody. She was stuck in some level of purgatory where she had to forgive somebody. She just was not able to do it, make that act of will to forgive them. She needed that grace of the sacrament, but she, she, she was passed, so she can't receive, she can't go to Mass. So these Masses were being said for her. And finally... Thus, grace is being offered to her. She's rejecting it. She's rejecting it. She's rejecting it. A sign is being allowed to happen here on earth to show that it's still not, um, she still has accepted that grace. And, you know, is that God blowing out the window, uh, blowing out the the candles? Or is it that pers- sister that's stuck in purgatory? Is she blowing, Who knows? But some signs allowed so we know that it, she still hasn't accepted that grace yet. And then finally, you know, the priest made a prayer. It's like, this is the last mass we're going to be saying here. And finally, that uh, prayer was said, the Our Father said, and the candle stay lit. So she finally accepted that. She's finally, that grace, she's finally able to forgive that person she, could, she 
couldn't forgive, and she either went into heaven or she went to the next level purgatory, right? So, and for whatever reason, that that place is going to be destroyed and, and bulldozed and turned to something else, and she had permission by, by God to interact with that area, or angels did on her behalf. We don't know. And it was kind of a gentle way. It wasn't a, a, a really evil way that she was interacting with it. Once that thing was just turned into a parking lot or whatever it was going to be turned into, she wouldn't have anything to interact with. So she knew that that was kind of her last chance to get some prayers said for, for her and the mass said for her. So so people do need prayers. And another story of, you know, uh, nothing, again, a story I just heard at the conference was that uh, hospital where people would always see this person that wandering around that died, right? And they just they hear their voice, help me, and they turn around and the person's gone, right? And they kind of, and they knew exactly who that sounded like. There had been somebody that died 20 years before of some kind of neglect or, or inaction on behalf of uh, the hospital. And so maybe they had some unforgiveness towards how they died, okay? And um, the chaplain heard about it, knew exactly what the person's name was, had a prayer said for him. And, or had a mass said for him, and um, no more, no more interactions. Okay, I had a lady call me saying, "Oh, she always hears this lady crying in our house, you know." And she goes to look, and sometimes she sees a shadow, and she turns the light, and nothing's there. But she's always hearing this lady crying. And I said, "Well, did anything ever bad happen there?" And she said, "Oh, I think the, I mean, it was decades ago, but." the father killed the son or something. I don't know if it was adult son or what, but, and I said, oh, well, if you know that family's name, you know, have a mass said for him. And even if you don't know the name, just say whoever needs this, that uh, that's um, making contact with me, you know, talk, talk to the priest about it. So that he, he's like, he knows what the mass intention is for. He can just announce it's a private intention. But for the family that was associated with a murder in my house, okay, something like that, or for whoever is contacting us that needs prayers through the house, okay, you know, so the priest knows what to pray for, and I said, just have that family, you know, associated. She's like, but it was, it's a woman crying, not not the man or or uh, the son that's always here crying. I said, yeah. Imagine you're the wife, you're the mother of that, your husband kills your son right and how hard that would be to forgive that and but you can't go into heaven without unforgiveness and she might have passed into purgatory but she can't get through it because she won't she won't forgive her husband so she needs those prayers so and that's the last i heard of that from that uh, lady as well so hopefully that all worked out as well so how do we know what do we do if we hear something we see something one, if it's if it's kind of malicious in nature, so trying to kind of scare you, trying to antagonize you, trying to uh, invite you to a relationship by trying to get your curiosity piqued about things we shouldn't know about the next life. We just need to trust what we Jesus has revealed in the scriptures and the gospel and the teaching of the church, right? If it's malicious in some way, then it's probably demonic. But if it seems to be gentle, it seems to be, you know, a smell or that remember, we, oh, that's a cologne that Grandpa always wore, right? Or a, pit, a light just comes over a picture of a loved one that passed or a, a song, you know, radio just kind of turns on and it's a song, you know, a spouse's um, wedding song or something like that just comes on. That could be a nice indication that they're okay, but it could also be an indication that they need prayers, so it's real, real easy. When in doubt, just pray it out. Okay, you're you're, you're not going to hurt your relationship with God if a de- if a demon tricks you into praying. Right, so don't worry about that. You say Hail Mary because a, a demon tricked you into saying a you know, prayer by making a loud noise in the middle of the night. You wake up and say, Well, I'm going to say Hail Mary for for whatever that was, and the devil doesn't like intercept that in any way. So you don't have to worry. Mary gets it, God gets it, Jesus gets that prayer. So when in doubt, just pray it out. Maybe they needed a rosary said for them. Maybe they needed a prayer said for them. Maybe if they do do make some kind of apparition or visual or audio, it's it's just 
to tell somebody how much they love them or show how much they love, or they'll say, pray for me, have a mass said for me, tell so-and-so I forgive them, tell so-and-so I'm sorry, right? So they know they're not supposed to have a conversation with us. They know that's forbidden. So they will just give that quick little comfort or that quick little request, and then they usually disappear, okay? So again, when in doubt, just pray it out, and you don't have to worry about any of that. could be that um, there was something like a murder that happened or a suicide where the demon that was uh, attached to that, uh, maybe that person who killed themselves, maybe they at the last second they took the name of Jesus, the microsecond before they died, they took the name of Jesus upon their lips and hell was robbed of another soul and that demon's mad about it. So it pretends to be that person kind of hanging around that place trying to get attached to somebody else. And, or maybe it's that um, person, they they barely got into purgatory and they need a lot of prayers, right? So again, you're not going to, if you pray, you're not going to hurt anything. Prayer always helps. And that's why we always need to be in a state of grace as well. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, with all this witchcraft that's out there now, Satan is paganism now, and there's all these cursed objects out there. Now, what, what are we to do? How do we know we're not, you know, the food that we eat wasn't made by a Satanist or anything? Well, do you pray over your meals, right? That's one thing you could do. But you always got to stay in a state of grace. So, uh, you eat a cursed object, it's not going, it can't force you to sin. It can tempt you. Your t- temptations can increase, but it can never force you to sin. As St. Paul, again, as he told us, it, I'm in a state of grace. I can eat this stuff. It's fine for me because of my faith. You know, he had greater faith than me because he was taken up in the third heaven. He's also received all the lashings and, and the beatings on behalf of Christ. I don't know if I can withstand that temptation of denying Jesus if, if it got me out of um, being cut up in little pieces. Uh, hopefully I can, but I don't know. He, he knew he could withstand that, that temptation. And so he knew the devil couldn't tempt him with that, okay? So... There's other reasons besides hell why we should always be in a state of grace. One, it's pleasing to God. And two, it protects us from here on earth as well. That every once in a while, the devil still try to spook us and try to scare us. We might have no cursed objects in our life. We might have no occult activity in our life. We might have no permissions that we've given away to anything. And still the devil might say, I'm going to just make a loud noise at 3 o'clock in the morning and see if they'll you know, burn some sage or something like that. Right? See if they'll pull their dream catcher out of their closet and put it over their bed, you know, some super superstitious thing like that. But if you wake up and you pray, it's like, well, I got woke up by something for some reason. Let me just pray a rosary for whatever, whoever needs it. All the poor souls in purgatory that always need prayers. And then we go to bed after that rosary. So, and the devil's like, okay, let's not do that again. Every time we try to spook her or him, he just gets up and prays our rosary. Well, we don't like that at all, so we're not going to – let's move on to easier targets, okay? And a lot of the priests, you know, you got to forgive a lot of priests. A lot of them don't know a lot of this stuff because it just hasn't been around for a long, long time. But I had a priest contact me and say, well, his parishioner, they have rental properties, and they moved – the people moved out, and they went in there to clean it up, and they found in the basement just covered in pentagrams painted on a wall on the floor ceiling and everything like that might have been just kids just messing around just oh this is cool let's make this little pagan place or could have been actual satanists or witches that were doing it so he said can i just do a house blessing i said no you need to do something more than that because you need to break the permissions that the demons have there okay and you have to um scrape up the paint don't just paint over it scrape it up you know burn it destroy it whatever that paint and then paint over it, and then do a minor exorcism with exercise water, and I explain to them how to do that. So if you if you're having problems with your house or you f- you have a r- same thing, you know contact your local parish priest, and he can contact me or he can contact the the chancery in Dodge City, and he can be in contact with the exorcist and assistant exorcist there, and maybe you can train the priest over the phone how to give that a proper minor exorcism and blessing, so breaks any permission there. But then you want to fill it with crucifixes, blessed crucifixes, holy water. You want to have songs playing. You want to have 
holy hymns playing. You want to make sure there's it's not inviting demons back by taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, you wouldn't want to do that anyway, but demons love that. So if it's a household where the especially the parents are always taking the Lord's name in vain, then they want to be there. They want to be around where the Lord's name is not venerated. And uh, so hopefully this um, will help people if they have uh, any strange things going on in their house, a couple options for they can do. If you do find that you have some kind of um, occult activity that happened in the house, then yes, that's when you do need to contact your parish priest and he can contact uh, exorcist and be kind of walk through how to do a proper uh, minor exorcism on the house and a blessing of the house to break those permissions so that that can be now a house dedicated to God. So if you have any of those um, problems, please um, talk to your parish priest about that. But there's a lot you can do before you talk to him, such as getting rid of possibly cursed objects or prayer, you know, just making your house a house of prayer, going confession, make sure it's not anything attached to you through any sin, and, you know, just living a life of grace. That's one of the benefits of living a life of grace is every once in a while the devil will spook us, but we don't have to worry that he's going to uh, terrify us with, with these visions or nightmares because we're just going to run to the Lord anyway. So we're not afraid of that. So thank you for your time, and God bless you, and may Almighty God protect from all attacks of enemy, both physical and spiritual. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Just call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KVDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.